This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. This is somewhat, I guess, of an emergency podcast. Once again, Farbot is not joining us. Uh, schedules did not align. That's my fault. I hit him up last minute. Instead, we have Garrett Corpenning. Garrett, young Garrett, married Garrett, fiance Garrett. I don't know what to refer to you as anymore. Young adult Garrett, somewhat aging Garrett. What do you want? Uh, those are all fine. I like them all, actually. Fine and dandy. Look at us. Ah, we're just cruising. Um, we are going to talk about the main reason for the emergency podcast in a minute, which is the game tonight, Monday, February 15th, excuse me, against the Miami Heat. We're going to get to that in one minute. But the last time that we talked, I was on with Shane Young, and we left off after the night in Boston when we found out that Paul George had bone edema in his right toe. We have since learned more things. It's not just him that's been out, but we're going to cover these games very fast and then talk about tonight's game. They played the Sacramento Kings on February 7th. They lost by three, primarily because De'Aaron Fox went off. They were without uh, Paul George and Patrick Beverly in that game, and they lost by three. They then go to Minnesota. They get Patrick Beverly back, but Paul George is still out. The Clippers win by seven against Minnesota, primarily on the back of Kawhi Leonard's 36 points. They then go to Chicago, and the Clippers win that game by 19 points because Kawhi goes off for 33. Several of their players, including Lou Williams, chip in, and the Clippers go 2-0 on their road trip. They come back home to play against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it seems like everything's going hunky-dory. They got Patrick Beverly back, Kawhi Leonard's balling. You know, Paul George is the only guy that's really out for the team. Team's basically treading water. But then we find out a couple hours before game time against the Cleveland Cavaliers that Kawhi Leonard is out with what has been deemed as left lower leg contusion. Now, this can mean a, a, just a litany of things. A contusion for people who are looking for the layman's term is just a bruise. It's a deep tissue bruise. Basically, if you run your leg into a doorknob, you're likely to get a bruise. That's kind of what a contusion is. However, there's no telling on how Kawhi Leonard suffered this contusion contusion uh i had someone tweet at me on twitter that they think it happened in the chicago game when Kawhi hit the ground and it looked like he rammed his left leg into the ground and kind of grimaced and grabbed his knee and got up and all this stuff i believe it happened in the fourth quarter in fact i mean maybe it did maybe it didn't i don't know if that's when it happened you know only he knows and the team doctors know but no Kawhi, no pg against cleveland the clippers win by 17 and that leads us to tonight garrett And what I will refer to as the singular best win of the season for the 2020-2021 Los Angeles Clippers. And I need to know right now, yes or no, do you agree? 100%. Look at us, cooking with gasoline. 
The Clippers win 125-118, and they do it in no lar- in no small part because like six different Clippers absolutely black out and go ape shit in this game. Marcus Morris Sr. gets the start because Nicholas Batum is out for the game with what the team classified as a migraine early on. That's what they classified it as. Uh, as Ty Lu pregame said, Nick Batum is out with a migraine. We then find out about midway through the first quarter that no, Nick Batum isn't out with a migraine. He has what, Garrett? A concussion. Yeah, that's a big difference. That's not a small change. Migraines are part of concussions. So that's obviously could be why he came in with the migraine. But when you come in with a migraine and you later find out it's a concussion, you kind of wonder what just in the hell happened. So here's the Nick Batum hoping he gets better. The Clippers do need him. He's a very integral part of the team. So in this game against the Miami Heat, who I will remind you, are the reigning Eastern Conference champions. And yes, the Miami Heat came into this game 11-15 and, and have not been great. However, a lot of those losses were without Jimmy Butler. Goran Dragic is still out. And since Jimmy Butler came back, the Miami Heat were second in defensive rating. So they've ramped up the defensive uh, side of the th- side of things like they had earlier uh, last season during the bubble and marched all the way to the NBA Finals. Clippers come into this game down four starters. No Patrick Beverly. He was out due to rest because of his knee. They're trying to limit his minutes and make sure he's healthy for the rest of the season. No Paul George with bone edema in his right toe. No Kawhi Leonard due to the... Uh, lower left leg contusion and no Nick Batum due to a concussion. And what do the Clippers do Garrett? Tell me, tell the good people what the Los Angeles Clippers did. The Clippers won baby. Can you give me more? <laughs> I, can give I need you more. more out of you right I now. Can, I, I, I'm, I, can I'm revved. I can give you more. They went off in the first half on offense. They went off in the whole game on offense, but the first half in particular, I did not expect by any means the Clippers to come into this game tonight and score 67 points in the first half. The biggest part of that had to do with Marcus Morris, like you said, uh, went off for 32 tonight. He had 26 in the first half, uh, made six threes in the first half. Um, Marcus Morris was hitting every damn thing he looked at. Uh, Not only that, uh, I think Luke Kennard had a great first half. Amir Coffey scored 12 points on uh, four made threes in the first half. Um, Lou Williams finished up with double-double, 18 points, 10 assists. Terrence Mann came up big 15 points. Uh, the Clippers, like you said, had six players in double figures tonight. Um, 30 of those points, or 30 of the team's 125 points came from Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey. Um, just an all-around really, really terrific effort. Um, one of the ones that Ty said is the best of the season. Made him feel great. Uh, loved the energy. Loved everyone stepping up. Um, just a lot to like about what we saw tonight. You said, I mean, 67 points in the first half without four starters is absolutely insane. And what's even crazier, honestly, if you really want to get into the nuts and bolts of this thing, not only did they score 67 points in the first half, they had no fast break points. This is all half court. They scored 67 points in a half court setting, which is unreal against a good defensive team, which had Jimmy Butler, which had Bam Adebayo. I, I, I don't know what else to say. Down four starters. They get 26 points from Marcus Morris in the first half, as he said. Amir Coffey has 12. Avica Zubas has 8 and 5. Terrence Mann, Lou Williams each have 6. Sergi Baca starts well, has 7.6 rebounds. And then we get to the second half. And that's when things get a little bit wonky, because the second half of this game was not at all like the first half. Yes, there was scoring and teams were going up and down and all this stuff. This second half 
was like an entirely different game because Marcus Morris Sr. and Amir Coffey weren't splashing down threes anymore. Now, to Coffey's credit, he made one of the two threes he took in the second half. Marcus did not make a three in the second half. In fact, Marcus only had six points in the second half. Amir Coffey only had three. So your top two scorers in the second half only had nine points. And the Clippers still put up 58 points in the second half because Terrence Mann goes for nine. Reggie Jackson, who had a shoulder that was obliterated apparently in this game at some point, goes off for six points. Um, Lou Williams has 12. Evita Zubats has 14. And one of the unsung heroes in this game was probably Luke Kennard, especially his fourth quarter play. He has eight points, two rebounds, and an assist and a steal in the fourth quarter, plays the entire fourth quarter. In fact, he played the final 16 minutes. This was probably the one game all season where I've seen Luke Kennard play and say, that's the guy that they traded for and gave that extension to that doesn't kick in until next year. This might have been his best all-around game as a Clipper, and it was really nice to hear Ty Lue rave about him post-game. Man, the biggest thing with Kennard is, I mean, we talked about it at length now at this point, is that he's just looked so timid, like offensively, right? And I think tonight we saw him finally take those shots he wanted him to. But honestly, I think I saw it said a couple of times on Twitter too, but I was more impressed with his defensive effort. Um, the way he followed Duncan Robinson around tonight, the way he um, you know, played off those screens and limited those shots, I thought it was extremely impressive for a guy that isn't really considered to be a great defender. Uh, whatsoever someone who is you know pretty small for his position has that whole proportional arm thing going on it's you know whatever the hell that is um are you talking about pterodactyl arms that's the one uh yeah i just thought he played a great game man i'd love to see it i mean canard plays 30 minutes like i said the final 16 minutes he plays in this game and you know, he finishes with 10 points, four rebounds, four assists you know a steal yes he has two turnovers yes he has a couple fouls but bright side he didn't foul a three-point shooter tonight Bingo. That was very nice to see, actually. Um, the other big takeaway from this game, I mean, there's like, you could have a takeaway on it, anything you want in this game. Um, but another big one, Ty Lue runs with the Vita Zubats for roughly the final 17 minutes. And I'm sorry. Doc Rivers does not do that for him. Ty Lue does. There is an actual trust that Ty has in him and Zubats that Doc just never did. And, you know, I get it. Like, Doc loved Montrezl Harrell, and that's fine. But, you know, the front office loves Evita Zubats, and you're seeing why. Serge Ibaka played six minutes and 21 seconds in the second half. Evita Zubats played 17 and a half minutes. This man was damn good. He had 22 points and eight rebounds. The team was plus 14 in his time on the floor. He's an impact maker, a difference maker, a shot maker, a shot blocker, a rebounder. He's the kind of guy that you need, and especially off the bench. And it's really nice to see the impact he's having and the trust that he's gained from the coaching staff. We're on a night like tonight when the team is shorthanded and it's a close game against a solid team. Ty Lue doesn't just roll with him down the stretch. He plays him 10 more minutes, almost 10 more minutes than he gave to Serge Ibaka, who everyone loves. That says a lot to me. Well, and listen, man, this has been a season-long process now, too, because we saw at the beginning of the year, Ivica Zubats did not have the confidence he has right now. He was fumbling passes. Um, the chemistry, obviously, with that second unit was off a little bit. He didn't know, you know where the passes were coming from um, or who to look to on certain plays and sort of thing. Um, but like you said, like 
Ty has been building this confidence in Zoo all season long. We're starting, we're finally starting to see, um, you know, kind of what he saw and what he wanted from this this unit. And like you said, Zubats went for 22 points tonight. That was a season high. I think it was damn close to his career high at the Clippers. Um, his chemistry with Lou is great. I know Lou was a starter tonight, obviously, but um, just seeing the way he's played lately off the bench and, and the way that he has this trust that, uh, like you pointed out, he would never have with Doc, which is, you know, also a shame. Uh, it, it's funny because the parallel here with, with Doc and Ty Lou is that Doc would start, um, you know, doing the second half and give him those first few minutes that we saw Serge get tonight and then run Montrez the rest of the game. And that was something that we all, you know, at the end of that, you know, lifespan kind of grew to resent. But, um, you know, seeing Zoo do this now and the trust he has is, is great for not only him, but for the team to be able to run someone out like him in the second unit and have someone that can dominate, um, you know, all kinds of all kinds of bigs there in the paint. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. It's interesting, though, because it feels a lot different than what Doc did with him. And what Trent does. Like, it's not like you're just ramming your head into the wall. Like, I'm just going to play this guy 16 straight minutes and see what happens. It's basically like you're rewarding him because he is making such a massive difference. And part of the reason he's made such a massive, massive difference is because he's a seven foot rim protector. So you're not really losing a ton defensively and you're still keeping the rebounding edge and the roll ability, you know, that you can have with, with Ibaka in Zubots. So it's not like you're losing anything, but I have a stat for you for Avica Zubats from last season compared to this season. Last season, he played 72 regular season games, right? Mm-hmm. How many fourth quarters do you think he played? Oof. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was less than 15. Okay, it's, it's actually more than 15. Okay. Is it-, it was 23. Okay. Okay, do you know how many out of 29 games this year, do you know how many fourth quarters he's played? 24. 25. <laughs> and here's the kicker. You ready? I'm ready. He averages more minutes in the fourth quarter this season than he does in any other quarter. It's one hell of a turnaround, man. And last season, he only averaged 3.4 minutes per fourth quarter. This season is up to six. He's only playing one extra minute per game compared to last year. But here's the thing. His minutes are more crucial this year than they were last year. You're not feeling gypped when he comes off the floor now. 
And it's 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 just staggering. I mean, he's shooting 67%, which is better than last season. He's shooting 85% from the line, which is better than last season. His rebounding has come down a little bit, and his blocks are basically staying about the same. But you also got to remember, he's playing with second units. But then you've seen the uptick recently in his rebounding, where now he's grabbing a ton of boards, and he's making you know this difference on the floor. And look, I think it all comes back to something that you mentioned and that we need to talk about, which is the confidence level of him. The confidence that he has, as you said, from where he was the first two to weeks or so of the season to where he is now is not the same player. He, he looks more sure in his hands. I know post-game after the game against Cleveland, I asked him uh, because Marcus threw him this insanely like laser pass from like three feet away underneath the rim, and he snagged it out of the air, and he went up with a dunk, remember? I remember. And I asked him, he said, yeah, that was a really tough pass to catch. But, you know, I've been working on my hands and, you know, I I feel a lot more comfortable, but I still got a long way to go. Here's the thing. He's 23 years old. He turns 24 about basically a month from now, March 18th. He's still a baby. I think it's prudent for people to realize he's still younger than Terrence Mann. And as much as everyone talks about how Terrence Mann is a young guy and has a long way to go and he's improving... We have to remember Zubats is the same. He's just been in the league a lot longer. And that comfort level, that confidence is growing by the game with a coaching staff that trusts him explicitly and expressly allows him to be the player that he can be. And part of that reason is Lou Williams. Lou Williams and him have built a great rapport off the bench. Lou goes for 18 and 10 tonight, as you mentioned. It's the second consecutive game he's had a double-double which is funny because it's only the second time in his career he's ever done that, which which when you really peel back the layers is wild. But then you realize he started these two games and he doesn't normally start, so it's kind of crazy. Um, Lou, Lou, the last six or seven games has just been unreal, right? Like it's just I, – I don't even know what to say. He and Serge against Cleveland just diced up Cleveland with their middle pick and rolls. This game, Lou was able to get downhill and find passes again. Um I just don't like the the man 16 years in the league for a guy who's not a high flyer and a super athletic marvel. This man still gets to his spots, you know? Absolutely. I don't remember what it all. I I told you a couple nights ago about that, that text we sent back and forth, but uh, he's not washed, man. There was, he's not, there were talks about that for a little bit there about, you know, Lou maybe packing it up and, and Lou being done. But like you said, with what he's shown us in these last couple of weeks and the way he's played, it's like, he hadn't missed a beat, man. Um, and, you know, it's, he wasn't healthy, nuts. which is one of the biggest things too, man. Like he had a sore hip. He missed a couple games. He talked about it and said like it would take some time for him to get back to where he was. And now that he's there, he's there. You know what I mean? There's nothing else to say about that. It's really interesting because I don't even think it's just the, the health thing with the hip. I think we have to remember this is a guy who when he comes into the season, he's always in shape. However, he wasn't able to play pickup ball this offseason. Right. So I think he just played his way into shape. And now we're seeing what we've been used to seeing out of him. Um, by the way, quick aside, I'm looking at the stat sheet. I didn't realize this in real time. I'm glancing at it now. It's wild. Reggie Jackson had eight assists. Yeah, man. No turnovers. Reggie's been um, The other thing we need to talk about, obviously, Marcus goes for 32, six of eight from three. The main thing here is the Clippers have the NBA leader in three-point percentage, minimum 100 attempts, and it's Marcus Morris Sr. Uh, What a wild sentence to say out loud. 
<laughs> I did. He's just okay. So post game tonight, he kind of takes a subtle shot at Doc, right? Right. Um, I love. I mean, it's been, earlier, but I, I love these little shots we see every now and then. It's 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 reassuring. I think for all of us that said these things last season that we were seeing and, and maybe weren't being reciprocated by the team, but it, it's reassuring. So Marcus's quote was last year. I felt a lot of the times I was in no man's land. I couldn't really put a finger on my role. And he went on to say that the difference between this year and last year is that with Ty Lu, the rapport that he has with Ty Lu, the personal relationship he has with Ty Lu. Ty, and this is Marcus's words, quote, exactly expressed what his role is. So there's no, there's no, well, what is my role tonight? What am I doing tonight? Like Marcus knows what he's supposed to be doing. Ty has empowered him and empowered other players like Patrick Beverly. Patrick said after the Cleveland game that the one thing the front office told him was a negative to his game is that he passes up good shots. And that Ty has told them the entire team and Pat included, Marcus included, is, you know, if you're if you're beyond the three point line and you feel like you have a good shot, just take it. Like you, you you'll take a three point miss rather than turning the shot down and getting a worse one. And Marcus is the living embodiment of the guy living up to that role. Fifty percent from three is insane. I understand there's no fans. I understand you know small sample sizes, things of that nature. You know, I, I get it. This could just be a crazy hot streak for the guy. He's never shot this well in his career before. I get that. Um, it could also just be the byproduct of a guy who's getting a ton of catch and shoot threes. I mean, that really, the, the, that's what Ty has been trying to get is catch and shoot threes out of this offense. And they're doing it at a high level. They're the NBA's best catch and shoot three point percentage team. If I, if I recall correctly, um, it's just insane to know that on this team, there's a guy who now comes off the bench. Yes, he started tonight, but he comes off the bench who's a knockdown three-point shooter and was your starting four last year, and now you can rely on him for bench minutes. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. And I want to go back to what you said about Pat Bev and the coaching staff too because, you know, Pat's always been this player. Like, it's not like Pat is just now a great three-point shooter. Like, he's hovering around 40% for his career. Um, He's got four seasons – or three seasons, sorry, including this season uh, at or above 40%. Two seasons right before that that are at 38.8 or higher. Like, Pat is a fantastic two-point shooter. So, to be able to have a coaching staff that says, like, hey, you know, trust your shot. Take your shot when it's there. Take it. Um, You know, it's a welcome change from last season. I mean, yeah, it's like that. Well, the other thing too is like Doc empowered guys to shoot. Like, I've heard JJ uh, Redick talk about it. Like, Doc would tell him, hey, just go out there and fire it up. Like, you know, just go right ahead. But I think it's different under Ty where it's like it's more comfortable shots. It's not just stepping into and dribbling into threes. It's more or less like, hey, someone else is going to feed you. Just shoot the ball when you get it. You'll be fine. Like if you miss whatever, who cares? Right. And like like basically, I guess in a, in a circuitous way, this comes back to Luke Kennard somehow. And what I mean by that is the one thing we've heard all year with Luke Kennard from the coaching staff is they just want him to be more aggressive. They keep saying aggressive, like just be aggressive, just take your shots, whatever. I kind of think that's just for the whole team. Like you're not going to pull someone out because they tried to score. 
you're going to take them out for other mistakes. And I kind of think that's where the team is at right now is it's okay if you miss your shot, but just take it. And I kind of just think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think the leash is a little bit shorter for Luke Kennard because like that is his specialty. And we, we've seen on a couple occasions this year where he would get pulled out of a game for you know, not taking a wide open shot or whatever it might have been. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of the philosophy this season. Like a lot of guys are firing shots up and obviously it's working. I mean, the Clippers, the number one overall um, you know, three-point shooting team in the NBA that got, I don't know how many players shooting above 40% this season. Um, I don't know if you got it pulled up right now, but I think it's something like, you know, six or seven, which is, I don't have it pulled up, but it's a lot. It's, it's absurd. Um, I know that. I yeah. know that like, as of last game, I believe, or two games ago, uh, they had like nine players that had attempted 53s and all nine had been shooting at least like 38% from three or something. It's insane. Yeah. That's nuts. Um, do you know who the number one half court rated offense in the NBA is? Um, no. It's a trick question. There's two of them. Is it the Clippers and somebody else? It's the Clippers and Brooklyn who feature three of the greatest offensive singular talents of all time. That makes a lot of sense. The Clippers and Nets. And yes, I understand. Like I said, there's no fans, blah, 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 blah. 105.1 points per hundred plays in the half court. That is obscene. Obscene. It's just, it blows my mind. And Patrick Beverly, by the way, I don't think people have talked enough about Pat Bev's defense and the impact he's made on that end of the floor. And yes, he did not play tonight, but we need to talk about it. With Patrick Beverly on the court this season, the Clippers have a 99.8 defensive rating, which is absurd. It's 113.6 without him. They're basically 14 points per 100 possessions better with him defensively on the floor. That is an absolutely staggering number to see out of a guard. I just I just think we need, just need to rave about Pat a little bit. I know he's, you know, I, when I wrote the five takeaways from the last game against Cleveland, I just called him Mr. 4,000. <laughs> Scored his 4,000th point. Came to post game, cracked open a Bud Light, told everyone cheers, and had one of the greatest post games I've ever seen. And then Serge Ibaka showed up three hours later. Oh Not really; God. it was like two hours later, but you know. Art takes a long time, Justin. Art does take a long time. He does not dress. No, he does art. No, sir. God bless that man. We're probably never being able to talk to him ever again. <laughs> so. For those who don't know, last night against Cleveland post game, we talked to Sergi Baca for the first time in about two months, and I I highly doubt that will I, I highly not highly doubt I I guess highly doubt is the phrase I highly doubt we're going to see him for a while. Um, that man t- takes some exceedingly long post games. Oh my god, he said he had a massage. Uh, did what else did he do? Something massage, something hot shower, right? Yeah, and it took an extra long time because it was a back-to-back. Cool. <laughs> oh, I think it was, my. what, over an hour, I think, between Lou and Serge. Is that correct? It was No, it wasn't just over an hour. It was almost two hours, two full hours. Well, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But between Lou ending and Serge beginning. Between Lou ending and Serge beginning, I think it was an hour and 40 minutes. Right, okay. So the first three guys took 20 minutes. And you could have watched a movie and then come back. Literally could have watched the game again. <laughs> and then listen to Serge talk about his outfit. 
by the way, the hat that he had on, I do not want to say this uh, to him if I asked him a question. It reminded me of the yellow man, the man in the yellow suit of, from Curious George. <laughs> just it was just wasn't a yellow hat. It was just yeah. It was a similar style. That's good. That's good. You almost didn't have me on that one because I, I had to think about who Curious George was for a minute. Oh my god, I'm old. I'm 22, Justin. I okay. All right, we're not discussing ages on here. <laughs> Um, up next for the Clippers, they play the Utah Jazz twice in a row, February 17th, February 19th, and then they get the Brooklyn Nets February 21st. Now, here's the caveat. If Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are not able to play and we don't know the status of Nicholas Batum and his concussion, uh, those are three very difficult games, even if everyone was healthy. So listen, go into each game with the mindset that you will be happy with the win. And even if they lose, they're probably just they're, they're just fine. Even if people are out, they're fine. Be thankful for the wins you've been getting because winning games without superstars is extremely tough. And they're winning games right now. They're treading water since starting six and four. The Clippers are 15 and four. That's that's fantastic. There's really nothing to complain about. The last game that I could literally look to and be like, damn, I'm sad. I don't like what I saw was January 8th against Golden State when they blew the late third quarter lead and lost by 10. Because since then, their losses are to Atlanta by nine without uh, PG, Kawhi, and Pat. The four-point loss in Brooklyn in an amazing game where they also were without Pat. Uh, The four-point loss at home against Boston in which they were without uh, PG and Pat. The three-point loss at home against Sacramento, in which they were also without PG and Pat, like the, like everything else has been great. To be this able to, team is fun. Yeah, so to be able to say this team has gone fifteen and four was that what you said fifteen and four in the last twenty? Last fifteen 19? and four in the last nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah, to be able to say that and realize that Pat somewhere in that in that in that time had missed nine total games. That Paul George missed, I think, his fifth or sixth consecutive game tonight. That Kawhi Leonard has missed a handful of games so far in that stretch. To, to have you know three of your most important starters out for that many games during that stretch and to still post that good a record, um, I think says a lot about the quality of this team. Now, what it does not do is degrade Kawhi Leonard's MVP campaign. We're not doing this. <laughs> I refuse to touch this stuff right now. Oh, my God. That was a tweet. That was a take. I just refuse to touch this stuff right now. By the way, just and this is all I'm going to say, and then I'll leave it at this on on that particular subject. Is it better for Kawhi Leonard if they just lost? I mean, apparently, because you know, I mean, if if you know, that's cool. If the Clippers win without him, he can't be the MVP. My favorite thing is when I see people that are like, "Oh, such and such team is peaking too early." Would you feel better about them if they've been losing games? Like, what kind of logic is that? Like, oh, like this is actually this applies to the Utah Jazz. Like I've seen people actually say, oh, Utah's peaking too early. What should they be losing? Would you think better of them if they were losing these games? If they didn't go like 18 and one in their last 19, would you think that they're actually fine? Just asinine. Narratives, Justin. I hate life. Anyways, um, do you have a hot take for this week? Do I have a hot take for this week? Uh. Terrence Mann. Um, Defensive player of the year. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, in reality, I, I've been really impressed with Terrence Mann. Um, 
I talked about it tonight on Twitter and and I feel like he's made me kind of eat my words a little bit because I've been on the record in the past about saying that, you know, Terrence Mann is probably not going to be in the league much longer and, and he needs to develop a skill. And, and if he's not going to be, you know, shooting threes at a high rate and, you know, that's about it, then like he's not really going to be out there much longer. Um, but, you know, what he's done on defense and, and the way he's actually improved his shot um, and, and the energy he brings to the game, you know, each and every night. Uh, and I think the confidence he has too, then that he has guys like Pat, you know, talking about him publicly and kind of like amping him up and that kind of stuff. Um, I just, just Terrence Mann has had more of an impact on these last few games than I thought he ever really would. Um, and I've just been, I've been happy to see it. Okay. So that wasn't a hot take. You know what I'm going to no. call that? That's a, it's a cold take. No, you know what I'm going to call that? Take. I don't know. It's something. Maya culpa Mondays. Okay. Cause my friend, you just had a big time Maya culpa. Do you know what a Maya culpa is? <sighs> no. It's someone who, it's like when someone acknowledges their error or like the fault in their ways. Okay. Well, yeah, I had that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maya Culpa Mondays. Okay. Oh, God, you really are young. Do I have a hot take this week? Do you have a hot take? By the way, I was wrong, too. I, I didn't understand the Terrence Mann minutes at first, but here's the thing. Maybe I'm not meant to. Ty Lue makes those decisions, and they're clearly working. Um, He saw something. The staff saw something. Terrence has been an integral cog in the machine the last week or so. Um... Second straight game, he played the most minutes on the team. So that says something about their trust in him. And if they trust him, we got to trust him. Uh, for your hot take, what you got for me? Uh, Ty Lue will win coach of the year. Wow. I actually think it's going to be Quinn Snyder, but that's a good one. I think it's possible. Uh, um, I think uh, I think for us, at least, it feels like it because holy hell. Um, you this know, is crazy. Just seeing the fact that there are adjustments made between halves um we see how good the third quarter is these days for this team um yeah not only that but well i lost where i was going with that cut that out i'm sorry no i'm not cutting that out you're fine no, I get what you like, mean. it's like it, three in the morning out here yeah, right you're now. good i'm you're exhausted good. It, but it's like night and day yeah ty Lue has been phenomenal um you know the trust he has in the players trust they have in him the adjustments he makes um the way this team Looks like it's having fun again. Like I've been extremely impressed with what Lou's done so far. So my hot take is not related to the Clippers or basketball. Okay. My hot take has to do with a bone I have to pick with an article I saw on Twitter today in which they basically slammed the idea that WandaVision didn't release every episode as a binge watch. And they were mad that you had to wait every week to see the next plot point unveil itself. I'm sorry. I'm about to cuss right now, and I really don't give a shit. The person who wrote that article is a fucking idiot. <laughs> because here's the thing. That's called the TV show. Odds are, that's what a TV show's all about. The weekly buildup to make you come back next time to see what happens. I'm sorry that you can't binge watch it in, li in like nine hours and see what happens and then get mad that it's not going to return for another year and a half. For the love of God, enjoy something once in your pathetic life. 
I think I'm done now. I haven't watched WandaVision. That's okay. You're fine. I don't I don't hate on people for not watching a show. Is it pretty good? It's really good. Yeah, okay. I just finished Harley Quinn on uh, HBO Max, by the way. Just an absolutely all-time cartoon. Not at all what I expected. One of the greatest cartoon shows I've ever seen in my life. I recently started King of the Hill. Also an all-time cartoon show. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, did you know, fun fact, by the way, Hank Hill actually appears in Beavis and Butthead Do America? I did know that. Okay. That was, that, I watched that movie, I think, when I was seven or eight years old. Holy with, shit. With my I'm brother. really old. I'm um, really old. That movie was probably already out for 10 years. No, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I watched it when I was, like, a little bit younger than I should have been. I remember going to the theater to watch that with friends when we were, like, I want to say, like, in eighth grade. And... It felt like a crazy thing to do, yeah. like to go into like this like crazy movie, and I just died laughing at this thing. It's great. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember it being really great. I don't know how well it holds up anymore, but in my mind, it's exquisite. Probably not very well. Probably not very not like Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is still just moi. That's the that's the pinnacle. How about um, God? What was the was it like a prequel to Dumb and Dumber they made? We're not talking about that one. That was rough. That was absolute crap. Never do a prequel to a movie like that. There's no reason that should ever have been done. Without the um, two stars. With Yeah, without the two stars. Even the sequel was kind of crap, but at the same time, like it, it's still the two stars, so you just deal with it. <sighs> you got anything for the good people before we wrap up? I do not. He doesn't love you, good people. I'm sorry. Um, Farbot and I are actually going to be recording tomorrow night, Tuesday. Uh, hopefully. Uh, like I said, this one was on me. Uh, I hit him up last minute, and he was already busy. Um, I've dropped the ball over the last several days by not having a podcast for you people ready. I know by now you're probably annoyed that you get one like once every 10 days. That's on me. And then we just like gloss over some games to talk about one. I understand. That's on me. I'm following my sword and shield. That's on me. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, life has gotten in the way and I apologize to everyone for that. Um, I will try to be back with Farbod tomorrow for an episode that will come out on Wednesday. Um, everybody take it easy, social distance, stay safe. Uh, if you are in Texas, uh, try your best to stay safe during this absurd, uh, freeze wave thing that's happening down there. Um, everybody stay safe, social distance, wear your mask, wash your hands. Um, there was something else I was going to tell you fine people, but now I can't remember. And it's driving me insane. Everybody take it easy. Good night. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.